Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the House Divided podcast. Uh, Jeremy, how are you tonight? Uh, doing good, you know, just uh, both of us are in week two of back to school life. You as a, you as a student and me working it, so uh, almost the second week down. <laughs> how's, uh, how's it been back for you, Brendan? Uh, it's been all right. Um, one the the one class I'm taking on campus and not online seems like it's going to be pretty difficult, but at least interesting, which I guess I'll take over easy, easy and boring uh, at this point. But yeah, seems like it's going to be an all right semester. Um, it, it's always good to have basketball and hockey season along with it, as I start to die a little bit inside. But <laughs> um, yeah, it, I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I, you know, I uh, my goal for 2020 was to be uh, be a lot more positive this year and uh, to focus on hockey and basketball because it gave me joy. And both our football teams just keep having news to remind us that pain still exists in 2020. Right in yes, it does. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> got lots of fun. Uh, it's good to see everybody positive on Twitter in the off season. I to see that. God, God, the election year setting on MSU football Twitter. Um, oh my! But, but, you know, and nothing to do with the election, but they just had election year annoyingness going on. So, yeah, and for that. Uh, and uh, super fun stuff is coming out that has Michigan fans riled up as well. So, uh, yeah, it, basically, college football Twitter in this state is a hellscape, and we are checks watch three days into the off season. So that's cool. You guys didn't even have to watch Ohio State win it all. We're still melting down. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Yeah, we can't even get into that. Because I could like, if we have extra time at the end of the show, I would like to revisit uh, Ohio State beat writers during the national championship. Um, oh, oh, yeah, we can definitely uh, save time okay. for that. But before we get into it, I got to say, if you're not rate subscribing and telling all your friends about us, you should have, because we would have won you some some good money on that LSU game. Brendan and I had a chat going on that day, and we doubled down, tripled down, and all of them cashed, Brendan. Yes, they All did. clear in the bank deposit. I don't care if the over only hit by one point. It hit, and I got my money. So that's all that matters. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. we were. I was sweating out that uh, – I think I had that over 67, sweating it out. Yeah, so that one pushed on me. You got oh, it at 66. I got but, 66. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, my multiple triple down for the two weeks, I hate the two weeks off, uh, usually just because I hate not having college football for the two weeks there, but the two weeks off for me meant that every day I was bored, I was just like, oh, I'm going to put more on LSU to win, and uh, <laughs> I got nervous there in the first half, so uh, yeah, that, that so was then covering be... that six nice and easy was good. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is Joe Burrow already said they weren't nervous down 17 to 7, but how nervous was Jeremy? <laughs> As someone who did not watch enough LSU games to know how quick they could just strike after that, nervous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that 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 is a crazy football team. And I honestly, with the losses they're suffering, you lose Burrow, you lose a couple of your receivers, you lose Joe Brady, and now their defensive coordinator looks like he's going to be going to um, going to Baylor. He's off to Baylor. Um, yeah. This is going to be the craziest one-year wonder team I've ever seen because but see, normally well, it is as far as success. 
but the two-year storyline is going to be fascinating. Oh, yeah. It, it's going to be crazy because, like, think about all your teams in the greatest team of all time uh, conversation. You have your 91 Nebraska, or I think was the year. Or, no, 95, I think. Um, 95 Nebraska, or your 2001 Miami Hurricanes, or teams like that. And they were all a part of at least a couple of year dynasties of just being really good. And LSU was pretty good last year, and I think they'll probably be pretty good next year. But they just annihilated the entire country uh, in one season, and it seems like they're just going to be some fringe New Year Six type team the years surrounding it. That's just insane. Yeah, yeah. I don't see with how Alabama's gotten good news of guys who are coming back with all the the turnover at LSU, uh, yeah, they probably don't even make the SEC championship game. So, oh, I don't think so. Uh, no, I don't think so at all. So, uh, yeah, maybe that gets them a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, you know what? Maybe, Brendan, maybe, maybe if you just play your cards right, that's who Michigan can play in a New Year's Six Bowl <laughs> next year. Yeah. Uh, You're going to have a hardball Coach O press conference, and that's all I want for Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, next year is our token New Year's Six Bowl after uh, losing to Ohio State year. Uh, We alternate. Um, So, yeah, that'll be fun to lose to LSU next year. Uh, Yeah. I can't believe Najee Harris is coming back. I I followed that kid's recruitment so hard because, you know, he almost came to Michigan. And the whole way I'm just thinking, like, oh, three and done for sure, no matter where he goes because we'll get him. And – even watching him, like, all of this year, I cannot believe he came back to school. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, good for uh, good for Alabama fans, but that was – I would not have given you any chance of that happening. Especially <laughs> because I agree. I, I remember following that recruitment, too, because that was uh, one of the first big battles I remember Harbaugh being in. And it was kind of one of those that as a non-Michigan fan kind of tipped you off to, like, okay – new coach, and they're in the battle. But as you just see me football time is though, and you lose all these, like, at the last <laughs> second, these heartbreaks. Yeah, uh, that certainly was fun. Um, but let, let's move on to uh, things related to our football teams. Um, we'll lead with the, probably the biggest news out of the week was Cody White declaring for the NFL draft after his junior year. This kind of felt unexpected to me. Did it feel that way to you? So when it first broke, absolutely. I So I took it as uh, when – because, you know, a lot of times when they talk about Cody and uh, his dad is – for those who don't know, his dad, Sheldon, is on staff at MSU. He's one of the recruiting coordinators. He kind of helps set up, like, the uh, the plans when they have a junior day or they have – an official visit on a game day. Uh, he kind of sets all those up. He uh, he previously just come to MSU, had been like an assistant GM and an NFL scout for years after his playing career. And everyone kind of thought, oh, well, if you have that guy in your corner, dad will give you uh, the information, which is we all thought he has to come back. Um, and so I was surprised. And then since then, the more that I thought about it, I've actually come around to the other side of, it wasn't shocking. And I guess the reason I say that is I think his dad could give him the information, which is I don't think he's done enough on paper in game, but 
but he isn't going to change the fact that he has great measurables and all the things that would get him drafted. And the more I thought about it, I had a great comparison today. Um, I think it was actually on the uh, the podcast with Chris Solari and, and Graham Couch where he just kind of said, you know, he kind of reminded them of Justin Lane, which is, yeah, he had a good career. He wasn't – UNC was great, and the NFL loved him and took him much earlier than we would have thought Justin Lane went last year. So then once I heard that, I kind of thought, okay, no, I could see it. You know, dad probably was in his ear saying, hey, you know, your measurables aren't going to change. You have a quarterback that uh, you don't know who is going to be the quarterback maybe or if you're going to mesh well. Uh, so maybe now is the time. Um, and to me, that was the biggest news. Like, I took it as, you know, maybe – Maybe a little bit of the gallows kind of thinking, but when the news came out, my first thought was, well, these guys don't trust the quarterback we have next year either. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but, you know, I think the more I thought about it, I, it's probably less surprising than when it initially came out. Um, you know, best of luck to him. Uh, and to be honest, I wasn't that, that down by it. So I think wide receiver between the recruits they brought in, uh, plus Jaden Reed, being eligible next year, uh, it's probably one of the deeper positions as far as potential goes. Uh, so I, I think that's not even the worst loss we could have had. Yeah, it, it surprised me a little bit, but yeah, what you said made sense uh, when it's all laid out like that. Um, so I guess that leads us to the other piece. Brendan, I met oh. you a football fan that was about bargaining with yourself. So. <laughs> You know, the more we do this podcast, you'll you'll get really good at that. Like, we have to bargain. I've had a few days to bargain, but if you would have talked to me that day, I'd have been like, I do not know what he's doing. But, yeah, it took some days to, to come around on it. Uh, but, yeah, that's MSU football 2020, <laughs> bargaining. Yeah, hey, everybody goes through those phases, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, on the Michigan side of things, Michael Dwumfor is going to be pursuing a grad transfer. Um, Kind of saw the writing on the wall with this one. He was injured for the bowl game and didn't play, but he didn't make the trip down either, and that felt a little bit off. It was found out when this, people saw him at the Lions game the day before they were supposed to play Alabama. Um, so he's pursuing a grad transfer, and on one hand, this sucks because you're losing a body in the defensive interior, which was somewhere you were really thin this year and you're probably going to still be a little bit thin at next year. So that sucks. On the other hand, uh, it's just it's just a little bit disappointing um, considering Mike Twomfort for the last two years going into the season has just gotten unreal amount of hype, um, kept a lot of Mo Hurst comparisons during fall camp uh, and just – whether that was due to injuries or just him not being that player, I'm not going to say because I have no clue because he, he did have a lot of injuries, but he just never ended up living up to that hype. Uh, and it just kind of sucks to see him leave without ever doing it. But obviously I just wish him the best of luck going forward. Hopefully he can get healthy this year. and Hopefully have a breakout year and get some good draft status uh, next season. Yeah, it seems like one of those uh... – every as we kind of were joking about before the podcast that we're already starting to plan how we're gonna fill our summer and keeping the show going and uh one of the constants of every summer is find out who's the name out of spring practice that you then never hear about again and apparently that was just michael john had a couple years of those and now maybe he can go somewhere elsewhere 
Uh, he cashes in all that spring hype, uh, but, uh, you know, depth may be a concern defensive line, but I also think that defensive line has been so good for you guys for the last few years that I trust that uh, Michigan will will be okay, uh, even with losing a little bit of depth. Yeah, yeah and they probably will be fine. Uh, on to more, some more, well, I guess I'll start with the negative and then move into the positive. Um, uh Anthony Campanelli, I believe is how you pronounce it. My apologies if I'm getting that wrong, uh, who was the linebacker coach at Michigan. It was kind of rumored that he might be leaving for an upgrade in title somewhere else. He interviewed at Boston College and at Rutgers, and eventually I, I'm, I believe it was him decision, his decision to say no to both of those jobs. And so it seemed like he was staying at Michigan. He ended up leaving for um, the Miami Dolphins. So I believe it's the same position he's coaching, but it's in the NFL. Uh, so that was a bit of a shock move um, to replace him. Or, well, no, I'm not sure where Bob Shoup is going to be coaching because uh, Michigan also lost Chris Partridge as the safeties coach. So it's either safeties or linebackers, but to replace one of those positions, Michigan is hiring Bob Shoup who previously was the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State and also had worked with Josh Gaddis for two years at Penn State. So they're bringing him in, and uh, it seems like good news. Mississippi State had a pretty good defense while he was there, so hopefully it'll be good for recruiting. Hopefully it'll be good uh, just for coaching. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's all the news. Yeah, I would say I think Bruce Feldman's reporting that he's going to be the safeties coach. Uh, so I guess it would be uh, more of a replacement of Partridge. Um, I think, you know, just from – I remember him at Penn State as well. I think uh, it's probably a downgrade in recruiting, but that's not really saying much badly about Bob Shoup. It's just saying that Chris Partridge was a really good recruiter. Uh, but I think as a position coach, you're, you're doing good. Okay, well that's good news. Um, in, in all honesty, for me, I had, I didn't know who the guy was coming into the hire, but I only hear good things. So, that's well, the other thing though we gotta discuss is, uh, you know, you live a little bit of on a much smaller scale, but I guess Michigan just kind of went through the deal where, uh, you know, Tom Izzo gets recruited by Dan Gilbert, and it's like your alumni are stealing from your own, your own plate. Come yeah. on, Ross. You're yeah. going to be taken away from, uh, yeah. <laughs> from Michigan football here? Yeah, that's uh, that's another good point. Oh, okay. man. Okay, you ready to get into basketball? What? Okay, we'll start with Michigan this week. Uh, Michigan played in the last week. They played Purdue. Minnesota. Coincidentally, Michigan State played Minnesota and Purdue. So this will – kind of be a re, bit of a rehash over very different things that happened in all those games though so Michigan ended up edging out Purdue uh, in double overtime by a score of 84-78 and then they lost on the road to Minnesota 75-67 uh, these were basically the same game twice like in both of them Michigan well Got out to a pretty good start. Uh, that's the only difference is their lead was always 
three to five points in the Purdue game in the first half where it got all the way up to 10 against Minnesota. Um, but then eventually a late first half run led the opponent to tie it up. And then it was about a consistent three to five point deficit most of the second half. And then in the Purdue game, Michigan forced overtime and then double overtime and then ran away with it with some late threes. As Whereas against Minnesota, Minnesota was able to run away with it with some late threes, uh, a couple good drives to the rim that drew fouls, and they were able to pull away at the very end. So it was the same game twice, uh, including a Big Ten center just absolutely destroying Michigan for, I think, the fifth time in five games. Gotta say that's not the same game twice. That's almost every Big Ten team now to this point. Which, to be fair to Michigan, they've had uh, they've definitely played probably the best centers that the Big Ten has to offer. So they haven't gotten a break with you know playing a team like maybe Northwestern or somebody that Tessie can get some confidence against. But I think we officially have to say that's a concern at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean it's bad. I, the efficiency I, field goal percentage against him is so high. Yeah, so that was my thing. Is I've been a defender of the strategy for so long because it, it makes sense when centers are hitting just barely above their normal percentage, but that's not what's happening here. Centers are making like 70% of their twos, 80% of their twos. Um, and I'm not even going to blast Teske for this because he was a great defender last year. The only difference is, A, he doesn't have Charles Matthews to help on the wing and kind of prevent such easy access to the post. And, B, Michigan's playing a lot faster uh, when the ball is in their hands, which is obviously going to gas Teske a little bit more and uh, give him some trouble on the defensive end. Juwan, I've been defending this – ever since the Iowa game when it first happened. But, man, maybe it's time to start throwing some doubles just a, a little bit, just to put it in their brain. Ugh, it drives me nuts. I, like, I don't understand how you let Travion Williams put up 36 on you. Say in the post game that he, you didn't go off of the double because of your own stubbornness, and then do the same thing against Okuru the next game against Minnesota. That that bothers me just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and to be fair, I mean, it was a quick turnaround, but that's what you're going to have in an NCAA tournament run or Big Ten tournament, you know, you're going to have quick turnarounds. So uh, to not adjust is uh, – is a little disheartening, but I, you know, at least this week they had they had more time, and we'll have to see if uh, they adjust for the big rematch with with Iowa, who is one of the first teams that really torched him. So we'll see yeah. if they uh, guard Luca Garza any differently this time. Yeah, if they don't at this point, I mean, Luca Garza literally scored forty four points in regulation against against Michigan on the road. If you don't try and throw something else at him when you have to go play at Carver Hawkeye. Uh, we're going to have some issues because <laughs> I already think this game, if Isaiah Livers doesn't play, it feels like an automatic loss. And even if he does play, it feels like we have like a 40% chance to win. 
I do not feel good. We we never play well at Iowa. Um, that offense is legit, and Michigan's defense is really struggling right now. Honestly, the only way I think you win this game, if, if Isaiah doesn't play, is if they go for the same thing because of how it played out last time and Garza just isn't hitting everything and he's struggling a little bit, but they still go for it. That keeps you in it, but it's going to be a tough game Friday. Yeah, I think uh, Xavier Simpson might have to have his game of the year uh, for you guys to get out of there and win. He's been excellent too. That's the worst part is, okay. So he's been great. I do outside of the MSU game, but that's a different thing. But yeah, I do want to go on a little rant here because um, Xavier Simpson. It feels like we're not appreciating what's going on here. I want people to understand that this is the last three months we get of Xavier Simpson, and it feels like he's been here forever, and he's been a joy to watch for years. And what he is doing. I mean, he's single-handedly – well, not single-handedly because Teske played really well on the offensive end against Purdue late. But down the stretch and in overtime and in double overtime, Xavier carried Michigan to that win. And Xavier's also 70% of why they were even in the Minnesota game. When Isaiah Levers got hurt, dude threw the team on his back. And I know we're not winning every game, but he is – People, I think, are just getting too caught up and being upset that Michigan is losing to appreciate what Xavier Simpson is doing. When he dribbles through an entire defense and finishes a crazy layup, that is not normal. And I feel like people have gotten used to it because this is the sixth year of his college eligibility, it feels like. But, man, people just got to appreciate the dude more. Yeah, I think he uh, he also probably gets hurt a little bit in the fact that he's not um, Cassius Winston. You know, get, yeah, well, yeah, that's a part of it. But just offense in general, I think it's yeah. You know, he doesn't even have to be as much as Cash, but the fact that he in any of his four years, just by design and and correct usage, has never been the offensive guy. And you know, like it kind of became fun when he developed the hook shot, but you know, it's and I thought he was pretty good offensively against Minnesota. I thought he had a good game. He hit some no, clutch, he was he had a clutch three when I was watching. And uh, but I think that's what really holds him back. He's one of those guys that, uh, you know, I I won't say he's to this level because he's a much more of an impact player. But for me, he's without the human interest story, kind of a tum tum there feel, where you know, MSU fans really just kind of didn't enjoy him as nearly as much as they should have. They acted, they really loved him now, but they complained about that kid so much for four years. And uh, now because of the human interest story, they all love him. Uh, and Xavier feels a little bit like that. Like when he graduates, people are really going to miss him because he's been a really good leader and just I mean, an excellent, he's excellent just, ambassador for the program. Yeah, he has. He's just an absolute dog on the defensive end of the court. And – you know, on the offensive end, he doesn't have a pretty three-point shot. He doesn't make a lot of crazy, you know, shooting plays. But, you know, the way he can attack to the rim, you know, with his size and his passing, my God, he's averaging nine assists a game. I think he's in the top five in the country for total assists. Like, we are seeing an unreal performance 
from Xavier Simpson, and it may not be as flashy as Trey Burke. And obviously it's not to that level of effectiveness, but he has put the team on his back when Isaiah went down. And, I mean, if he had a good three-point shooting team to pass to, he'd probably be averaging 11 or 12 assists a game because I don't even know how many in the last couple games I've seen Michigan get good looks from three because of Xavier Simpson and just brick it. Yeah, Eli Brooks is uh, built in the house. So, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Eli Brooks. <laughs> and then he makes some crazy three with a dude right in his face to tie the game. Like, <laughs> like he has made no sense over the last month. No, no, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, yeah, I agree with everything you said about Xavier. And to be honest, he's probably the perfect ideal of a Tom Rizzo point guard. So it's been sad to, uh, as much as we obviously love that we got Winston out of that recruiting class, uh, it is funny to kind of see how, like, he would be the perfect <laughs> Izzo guy if he wasn't born at the same time as Cassius Winston, who is decided to maybe go a little harder after. Man, could you imagine if one of them was one year older or something and those were that was your one and two combo? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that would have been disgusting. And, can, and both, I think. That, would, that needs to be its own Amazon show if they were on the same team. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so – Talked a lot about a little bit about Iowa. I really feel like Michigan hasn't won a road game yet. This is a really hard place to win, um, unless they're overconfident because of their last two wins. I don't see a way Michigan comes out with a win there because it seems like Livers isn't going to play. Now, before we record next, they're going to play another game. It's going to be against Penn State. This one is at home, and this one I do think Michigan is a pretty is pretty good chance to win only because. Um, Lamar Stevens is really good. He's really good, but he's not a center. So, therefore, I don't think he's going to absolutely kill Michigan. He'll probably have a really good game, but I don't think he'll kill us. And I just don't see – Michigan has only lost at home to or, excuse me, Oregon. And I just don't see Penn State being the first Big Ten team since MSU last year to beat, beat Michigan at home. So, I'm feeling pretty good about that one. Um, that's really all my thoughts on Michigan. Do we want to head over to MSU? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Uh, doing, like I said, uh, I was I only saw part of the Minnesota game, so I don't think I can have a lot to add on <laughs> U of M, uh, unfortunately. But uh, they looked good in the minutes that I saw. But uh, yeah, tough uh, tough loss at Minnesota uh, to lose to lose to Opatino is not good for this podcast brand. Oh, God. <laughs> I forgot about that aspect of it. Yeah, we speaking of Patino though, yeah. Brendan, I was inside Breslin. So close. And not really that close, but the closest either one of us has probably been to a Patino mm-hmm. since we started the show. One hundred percent. And it did not disappoint. Uh <laughs> I'm really sad that my tweet during the game did not do great numbers. There's a shout I don't even know if they were really shouting at each other, but uh there's like a little back and forth between Izzo and Patino, at least it looks like from my angle. And that argument lost steam very quickly. <laughs> Weird for Patino to lose steam so quick. Yeah, who would have thought? I guess the apple doesn't fall. It's genetic. Um, so, I did not catch any of the Minnesota game. But 
I did watch the Purdue game. Um, <laughs> wow. And I did not catch any of the Purdue game. <laughs> yeah. So lucky. I'm going to need you to fill me in. So what lucky. happened? Uh, okay. So I will just – Yeah, I was driving back from a wedding, uh, so did not catch any of it. Uh, but it, it sounded ugly. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was quite ugly. Endured Will Keeman for about a, about a quarter of half and maybe – Maybe about 30 minutes of the game I endured on uh, Will Keeman, but I did not catch the final 10, which it didn't sound like we didn't make, we didn't make a run, so that was okay. Yeah, I get. I will tell you what, this game was perfect for hate watching. Um, I did only get to be intently focused on the first half because the second half started when Michigan started, so it was just on the small screen at that point. But, um, yeah, wow. MSU – couldn't buy a three. Um, there was some um, Big Ten home whistle TM going on. Uh, and then Stefanovic, who I knew was capable of hitting threes, just absolutely tore y'all up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounded like every time he was popping out for a three, it was going down. So, uh, and then you had some, I forget who it was, but somebody on Purdue who hadn't made a three all year. With something like four for five and, or three for five, and just, just one of those days where about eight minutes into the game, it was like, yep, it's going to be one of those nights. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is not going to get better. Travion um, Williams is going to be ugly. Had, got 40% usage, but only had 16 points. He used up all of his points against Michigan. But that's the crazy thing about this. Purdue box score. Oh, it was Matt Harms. Who, oh, never mind. Looking at the wrong column. Um, <laughs> no, but they spread the point so evenly because I thought it was Stefanovic that tore you all up, but it turns out he only got 10 points. I think eight of them were all within like two minutes. And then you thought it was Boudreaux, but he only had 11 points. So he must've gotten him in a quick spurt. But Travion Williams, yeah, had the most points at 16. It was a real team effort, it looks like, for Purdue. Yeah, and it sounded like he was just beating up Thomas Kibier inside. Uh, and that as president of the Julius Marble fan club, uh, we should have gone to Julius Marble earlier. That is my very biased opinion. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it sounded like Kibier was not having a great night, uh, which wasn't surprising because at the Minnesota game, Despite MSU being pretty dominant most of the night, or at least you know by the by the final scoreline, pulling away from Minnesota uh, on Thursday night, they were still getting beat up inside by a good big. So not surprising that a few days later they continued to struggle with a big inside. Uh, although Julius Marble sounded like he did better on Sunday than he did against his limited Manson Soturo uh, from Minnesota. So yeah, not a great game. Uh, one of those uh, classic Izzo, I don't even know if he used his usual line of like, you know, burying the tape or setting it on fire or whatever thing he wanted to do. Um, but yeah, you probably, I'm sure film study on Monday was not a fun place to be. And yeah, I can say I saw Cassius Winston on campus Wednesday and he uh, looked like he was walking normal. So it looks like the suicides were not too bad <laughs> as far as running too much on the court. Uh, you know, doing too many Herbies uh, on a court. But, um, yeah, it looks uh, – I was just yeah, I think tomorrow night will be very interesting to see uh, what type of response they have. Uh, you know, with a layoff, you could see that they're not – like, 
if he is a beat that they've been wanting to play so badly and they come out kind of cold and kind of overamped, or they didn't want to play so badly and they come out in the exact right mode to just boat race Wisconsin. So I think that could be uh it's going to be one of the storylines, kind of the hashtag narratives to watch for tomorrow. You know what I'm watching for for tomorrow? I hope Gabe Brown ends Brad Davison's basketball career with a dunk. Can we can we set that up? I mean, I don't know why they would be guarding each other like, near each other, but if we could just make that happen, we don't ask for much. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Happen. But I mean, how amazing would that be? What if he I, what if he dunks so hard on him that Brad Davison's t-shirt explodes underneath his jersey? <laughs> just to Brad Davison goes back to needing a shoulder sling. Yeah, like he had his whole freshman year. Oh my God! You know, you know what's the worst part about this is he would get a charge drawn if he. <laughs> uh, well worth it, Brendan. Well worth it. Yeah. I don't care if it's fouling out at that point. You do it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, any, You're so right, though. Anyway, you get a charge for being posterized. The only way it could be better is, and it's looking like February 1st is the date if we want this, is if he can do it at the Troll Center so all of the Wisconsin fans have to witness it? Yes. Yes. We, we earned that after both our football teams had to go to Wisconsin to just absolutely get snuff filmed. I, I think we've earned that. Yep. I, I think so, too. Unfortunately, uh, the sports gods – usually don't agree with our wishes. Um, so, <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, in terms of actual basketball things that we could predict, what do you got for this game? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be one. I think it's going to be the latter. I think they're going to come out and have a really good response to that Purdue game. Um, you know, yeah, it looks like had ugly losses, but to be honest, that was like an unprecedented ugly loss. And – yeah, and one where, yes, this is now two games this season that I can think of where Cassius and Tillman have been off on the same night, and it's been really due to not being able to get their pick-and-roll games or get their offensive sets going. But Kentucky and Purdue have a length and just an athleticism that I don't think any other team is going to be able to do just based off of just size alone, and Wisconsin for sure does not have that. So uh, I think they answer well. Um, Torvik had it as like a six-point game. I would probably say I'd go even higher than that. I, I think they'll win by double digits against Wisconsin tomorrow. Yeah, Ken Palm's got it at uh, 69, nice 62. Um, so, yeah, a seven-point game for Ken Palm. I'm going to agree with you. I think double digits uh, probably sounds more like it. Uh, this just feels like uh, a game where the Izone could just – make Wisconsin really not want to be there. <laughs> and I, I think there's a chance that we see him blow him out. Um, before we move on to hockey, we have something very important I want to discuss. Um, has, has anybody talked to you about Rutgers basketball? Oh, buddy. Oh, my. How much fun was that last night and watching them just destroy Archie Miller. Shout out, Eric. Archie Miller left you and he's paying for it now. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. thank God. 
thank God Archie isn't at Dayton to ruin Obi Toppin because I oh. <laughs> like, oh my lord. So I didn't get to watch any of it, unfortunately. I just was scoreboard watching from a work uh, work function, and I saw twelve zero Rutgers, and then I saw twenty two twenty one Indiana, and then I saw the final score of fifty nine fifty Rutgers. I'm so yeah, happy uh, everybody who got to watch it. The rack, the rack is a legitimately tough place to play now. Uh, they. It, maybe it was because Graciano came there and gave him a great speech uh, when he was hired as a football coach, but they are – that's a scary place. I mean, they beat Seton Hall. They gave MSU a scare, which, to be fair, I mean, they did that last Hold year. Hold on, are MSU. you serious? Y'all don't have to go to the rack? Are you kidding me? Out of all years this year, you guys don't have to you know, go we to just looking, Yeah, it looks like we don't. We – we avoid Indiana coming to Breslin, but the trade-off is that it uh, looks like we don't go to the rack. Wow. I'm kind of sad by that, actually. I kind of wanted to go – I wanted to see a game or have another reason to watch a game at the rack. But uh, Oh, shut up. Michigan State was going to lose. You're thrilled. They were going to lose for the <laughs> first time since Rutgers joined the Big Ten, and now I don't get to see Oh, it. man. And you know it's going to go lose there. You know it. You just know it. Oh, my. How do we not get to play our traditional football rivals twice in basketball? <laughs> what is this? Oh, man. Yeah, they should do the situation trophy for, for basketball, too. <laughs> oh. oh, God. Okay. That's... No, that's crazy. But, yeah, Rutgers basketball, real thing. Uh, are they, like – They're going to make the NCAA tournament. in the top five? They're, oh, they're going to make the NCAA tournament. They're four and two in the league. Michigan's going to be two and four if they lose to Iowa. Oh, God. Now I'm stressed oh, out about our two-game deficit to Rutgers. Jesus Christ. This Big Ten year is nuts. It is. It's, uh, it's, it's the hardest to predict because even – I don't even feel comfortable with MSU being at 5-1 because, like, we could really just go on a losing streak. Like, if we, for some reason, don't win tomorrow, next week isn't easy with at Indiana, at Minnesota. I mean, that is easy to get on a two – like, lose – three out of four games. Uh, Not good. Yeah. uh, The Big Ten is a murderous hellscape this year, and it's not fun to be one of those mid-tier teams in it. It's not. I I just get clammy hands twice a week and (laughs) end up standing in my room in the middle of the day because I'm too nervous to sit because Michigan's about to lose to Minnesota. Anyways, do we want to get to a more straightforward Big Ten? Talk some hockey? I mean, sure. Yeah, as we we all predicted, uh, it's such a stable league now. Yeah, you know. How about your boys, though, going down to Notre Dame, huh? Oh, my God. That was – this was the best weekend of the college hockey season so far. You know, to sweep Notre Dame is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. To – oh, my God, I can't talk tonight. Good thing we – Neither of us know how to edit. Um, <laughs> Put that up there. ZipRecruiter, not a sponsor of the show, but ZipRecruiter, we are looking for a producer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. Um, or just anybody who wants to teach me. Anyways, sweeping in Notre Dame, a beautiful thing. Sweeping Notre Dame at Notre Dame in front of all those fans. An even better thing. But 
Maybe in we should. In front of Anson Carter. <laughs> Even better for you. Yeah. But I do want to lead with the team that's competing for a Big Ten title right now. So how did Michigan State do this week? Uh, yeah, so I will be honest. Uh, like I said, writing. So I watched uh, Saturday night's game. I watched the loss. Uh, on my phone at a wedding uh, in a VFW in uh, uh, Northwest Michigan. So that's that's on my bucket list, and that's one checked off right there for you. Um, <laughs> that's very no, specific. Friday night, though. <laughs> Friday night, uh, so, you know, Minnesota is not as good, so I don't know if I feel comfortable saying, like, it was the best game of the year, but they left no doubt on Minnesota Friday night. They just dominated them. Um, you know, all over them early. It was 3 nothing after the first. They chased the starter. Uh, just looks great. And then Saturday night, they come out, give up a goal on a, on a really bad kind of just transition play. Uh, they're down one nothing, 90 seconds into the game, and it stays that way until an empty net goal late. So, kind of felt tough. I think they deserved better Saturday night. Uh, they... Had a lot of chances, just couldn't finish their chances in the game and, and all that. But Friday night, that that was a team that showed that they're not really a fluke because they're not just going to get up to the big games or uh, need a game where John Leppinen, you know, house saves his counterpart by 15. Uh, they, they began to end, just were all over Minnesota and really left no doubt. Yeah, and I'm not surprised. I didn't get to see either of these games. Uh but, you know, this Michigan State team is good, and Minnesota is fine, I guess. Um, funny enough, I'm looking at yeah. the standings. Michigan has a better goal differential than the two teams above them um, at fourth yeah. in the league. But just everything's been so close. Whereas Minnesota – Minnesota like, is just so young. They're, they're so young. They're so and, young, and they just make so many mistakes. Creates like, a high-variance type of game because they could go out yeah. – beat you on your own rank and just flat out beat you or they could just completely lay down and let you do whatever you want like MSU did on Friday it's uh they're they're an interesting team this year yeah and you know the the thing about it they're a young team but they don't have that typical like even when Minnesota had some down years under Lucia you know, one of the things that would be frustrating is it's almost kind of like it would be frustrating like in some of the late years of like a Red Barrington team where, you know, you have a Dylan Larkin or you have a Zach Wrenski and you're still struggling to get in the NCAA tournament or things like that. And you're like, how is this happening? That's not really the case. I mean, Minnesota's got a young team, but none of these guys are outside of Ryan Johnson, who was a first-round draft pick. These are all late-round NHL guys or undrafted. Like, this is the most undrafted Minnesota team I've ever seen, um, or at least that I can remember since I've, you know, been paying more attention to who's been drafted and been in the same league as Minnesota, which is new. For most of my life, I barely had to pay attention to Minnesota hockey. But, um, yeah, you know, one first-round pick and one second-round pick, and they're both freshmen. That's going to be tough. <laughs> that is not the Minnesota that you expect to see. Uh, so, with that, they just – just not that good this year. It's it's really weird. I don't think I uh, can remember any time in my life as an MSU fan and just like, yeah, we should probably just beat Minnesota because they're not very good. Uh, that is feels weird to say. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, in terms of the standings, I think rising past Minnesota is very attainable for Michigan. Uh, I agree. And, yeah, going forward. that. Uh, so are you upset they stole a full three points at, at home, or is it just whatever? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's – so here's the thing that's the worst part about it. It's not even just the game individually. It's that you get help that night. Um, you know, with Penn State, had two games in hand and they had the night off. So if you win, you can vault them. And then you look across the league and Wisconsin ends up beating kind of Ohio, State. To Ohio State on Saturday night. Granted, it'd be, you know, just a silly time in January, but the excitement you could have of like, hey, at this point in the season, we are number one in the Big Ten. Do I think they're going to hold off Penn State for the rest of the year? Probably not. No. But you could say it and, and utilize that again as like, you know, like this week at Dan Cole's press conference, and that you just tell them, hey, we're at first place. And unfortunately, they, they lose on a game where they just don't get the bounces. Uh, they do enough to, I think, at least get some points out of it. And so that's kind of the frustrating part from a, from a broad perspective. But in that game, you know, if you're not finishing your chances, you don't deserve to win. So it's uh, it's frustrating, but I don't think they – as much as they can say, they're going to get some bounces. They also uh, continue to struggle on the power play. They continue to do things where they were given chances to be in that. They were given a five-on-three. If you're not going to capitalize on a five-on-three, you don't deserve to win at home. But that's kind of all there is to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's completely fair. It, it does suck because not only would have it launched Michigan State to first in the league, but at the halfway point too. We're we're halfway through the Big yep. Ten schedule. Um, yeah, I think everybody's played each other once, and so that that's a bit frustrating. But you know, you can't always ask a, a sweep out of them, and so they're still in that hunt. With uh, the top three are all within two points, so it should be fun to see going forward. Um, this weekend is a pretty good opportunity to pick up points for MSU. Traveling to Wisconsin to play in the Troll Center. How do you feel going into this series? What's a point goal? Uh, I think four is the minimum. You've got to get out of there with four, whether that's two shootout victories or a victory and a shootout loss or, you know, four is the minimum. you got to get better than that. Um, even just a three – which I think we'd be okay with a three, but I think you got to go in there wanting, wanting to get at least four plus. Um, Cause you know, you're right there with Ohio State and Penn State. Penn State gets Michigan this weekend, a team that, uh, you know, I think Michigan can be a thorn in Penn State side, but you got to think Penn State's going to put up some points this weekend. And uh, you know, if you want to keep pace with Ohio State, the only team in the league that you haven't beaten you're going to need to take points off Wisconsin, which is going to be one of the, you know, to be honest, because of the rivalry part of playing Michigan, this has to be the most attainable weekend to get six points left. So you got to go out there and you got to do well. This is where you show that you're an actual contender this year and not maybe a year ahead of schedule. Um, Because, yeah, Ohio State's playing Notre Dame, a team that just uh, got swept by Michigan and has to go to Ohio State. So, yeah, got to get at least four. Uh, that's minimum. And uh, you took care of them earlier in the year with a 3 nothing and 5-4 win. Um, you know, the one being an OT game. But if you play like you did that 3 nothing game on that Friday night where, again, it kind of reminded me of 
the Minnesota game that you just had where you were just all over them and dominant, uh, even though they did outshoot you, you know, score effects did that. Uh, it's it's got to be a weekend that you get uh, get, the K, get the first line going and, and get at least four. Yeah, I, I think four is a very realistic goal. Uh, Michigan took three at the Troll Center, and that was – you know, Michigan wasn't playing the best hockey at that point. I think that was coming off of losing seven straight. And they still took three points. Uh, I think Michigan State can do better. I think they will. Um, it, it'll be really interesting because I don't think since the Big Ten has been together, we've seen a, a three-team race this tight this far into the year uh, like this one is. So I'm really interested to see how this develops. And to be honest, I'll be rooting for Michigan State to take a lot as many points as possible against Wisconsin because that's our competition for the sixth seed. I mean, obviously, Michigan's probably shooting for the five because Minnesota could be overtaken. But um, still, Minnesota and Wisconsin, I have to root against them the rest of the year. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to It's good for MSU fans for Friday night at least uh... – you can go from a, a double header, watch the basketball game at seven, and then it rolls right into hockey starts at nine Eastern, and it's on Big Ten Network. So you can go uh, go back to back on MSU Wisconsin games and hopefully get a, a sports sweep on one night. That'd be great. Those are always fun. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing I did want to address is usually every week we reach out for Twitter questions. And the one we got this week was MSU hockey related. So that's exciting. Um, oh, my Lord. Uh, I don't yeah, know how. Yeah, great. I'll, I'll handle the pronunciation. I think I know because I've, I've worked over his name in my head enough. From uh, It's from Verbose Touch. Okay, that sounds uh, right. That seems right. Yeah, we'll go with that sounds right. Um, yeah, uh, he's been a, someone that's read my stuff since uh, the only colors day is actually. So. Um, but yeah, if you want to go with the question, I'll uh, actually, you know what, I'll read the question because I wanted to tee it up to you as the non-MSU fan and see what you thought. Um, I actually have to now scroll and pull myself. So what's the biggest step MSU hockey has to take to get beyond being a fringe NCAA tournament team? Is it consistency, taking less penalties? I took that, especially because of the third question of taking less penalties to be only about addressing this year's team and not looking big picture, how do they get back to not being a fringe NCAA team every year? Uh, so what would you say, Brandon? What's the, what's the thing for them uh, to, to get off the uh, pairwise bubble and, and get more secure? So, yeah, the pairwise bubble is tough uh, with this one because so, that, that's a pretty big leap to take. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the most realistic road there involves getting an elite power play because uh, you have the talent and that's for sure you have Patrick Kodorenko is doing some really good stuff you have Mitchell Lewandowski you have uh, you know Tommy Apep has had a couple goals lately Josh uh, Nodler you have lots of players who I feel are talented enough to get an elite power play and honestly, I think that's the thing that could take Michigan State from being uh, a bubble team to, wow, they're top 10 pair-wise, they're in the tournament, probably going to be a two or three seed. That's probably the thing that could get you there. Yeah, I think that's a terrific answer. I think 
that's where you can cut apart. I don't think you're going to get much better out of John Lefferman. And that's not to say that he hasn't been good on what I'm saying. is John Lefferman's been probably reached. He's been excellent. I don't think you can ask much more out of him. Uh, I think the penalty kill has gotten going. And the penalty issues that they had early in the season have really not cropped back up. Um, that was something that when the penalty kill was going poorly early in the year, they were also – Coupling that with taking way too many penalties. And I think they've mostly gotten that under control, actually. I think they've been a, a pretty disciplined team in the last few weeks. Um, so I wouldn't even say that, but I think I think you're right. I think uh, getting the power play to where, you know, the first few weeks of the year, they were a top five power play. They were clicking at, you know, an unsustainable rate. But they've also had way too many times where they go 0 for 20 over a four-game stretch, and you just can't have that. Uh they're a fringe NCAA team, which means that you need to have one thing that you do exponentially better than your opponents most say to get you off that bubble. That's the separator right there. Uh, you go 0 for 20 in a stretch when maybe, let's say you're playing Ohio State, a team that you need to leap, or a Penn State, you're getting zero points out of the weekend if you're not scoring on the power play against those teams. So, uh, so I would agree with you. I think getting that power play to where it's back operating at a, at a clip that is far above average is how you go from fringe NCAA team with this roster and this composition to securely making it, heading into the Big Ten tournament. They're they're at 16, right? Uh, yeah, I believe they're sitting at 16 unless there's been any games this week to affect the bubble. So, um, so which would put you just about at least one spot out of the NCAA tournament, if not two or three. You would, you're one spot out and you need no upsets in conference tournament play uh, or anyone to leap you in that space. Um, so, yes, you're at least one spot out. But, uh, you know, they have a series with Ohio State coming up, who's at seven in the pairwise. They have a series with Penn State still, who is at six. So they still have games with teams that are going to give them quality wins. Uh, and they have a series with Notre Dame, who's at 20. So those are going to be the important series as far as, like, just good opponents. And then you just have to not trip over the teams in the 30s, which is uh, Wisconsin at 30, Michigan at 31, mm-hmm. and, oh, and Minnesota at 27. So Yeah. So yeah. that's the thing. They're probably two to three spots out right now just based on yep. you know, years past what's likely to happen because of auto bids. Um, right now, their power play is a little bit below average, I'd say. I don't actually have the, the country-wide averages, but they have a 19% power play right now. Um, I think to get in the tournament, like, as an at-large, probably needs to be up a couple percentage points. Um, yeah, I mean, 19% puts them at 26, which is basically – the middle uh 30 teams would be the middle so yeah that's that's extremely average uh <laughs> but that's not good enough like we talked about right that's uh for msu you need to be above the average there you need to be at where ohio state is at where they're at 24 percent and that's number 10 in the country that's the type of spot you need to be in with this roster uh to, yeah. to get into the tournament as an at large and credit to them because we did not we we did not go into this year thinking that we were going to be at the midway point of Big Ten play, saying, yeah, for Michigan State to uh, need to get pretty much a guarantee into the tournament, they just need to have a better power play. We, we did right. not because 
Yeah. I mean, look at yeah. Michigan. They're, they're nowhere near. There's not one thing you could say that could get them in the tournament because there is no getting into the, turn, into the tournament uh, basically guaranteed for Michigan. That idea is gone unless you go 12-0-0 down the stretch or something stupid like that. Right. So, yeah. credit to Michigan. Yeah, I mean, preseason, it, it's still- pre-season it was what, saying that if you can host a Big Ten tournament series in the first round, that's the goal. And right now, as we sit – that seems like it's almost – it would be amazing to think they don't. That would be an incredible tumble to get down to the fifth, sixth, or seventh place in this conference. Oh, so, man. It, it, uh, yeah, if they fall below the four spot, it's going to take some uh, – a real bad time for you is what it, yeah. what it would be. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's still a great season. But that was a great question. Uh, uh, I wanted to see what your thought was. I think you gave a great answer. So – uh, we kind of talked about Michigan hockey a little bit, but let's get you back on uh, on uh, feeling that good vibe. What what did they do so different? Nothing to, to come out and sweep Notre Dame. Almost nothing. <laughs> they were the same team, except they played a little bit tighter defensively. But I think that's more just about Notre Dame and where they are as a team on this cold streak they're on. Because uh, Strauss didn't have to make too many like high, high chance saves. Um, Strauss was really good. Only gave up one goal through 120 minutes of hockey. He got the first star of the week uh, in the whole country. But yeah, this was mainly the same team. They only scored two goals each game before the empty net. They got one empty netter each night. So. They just kind of played some low event hockey and, you know, pulled out two wins. Where we see it's for if it's for real, I think, is this weekend at Penn State because just trying to play low event hockey is not going to work against them. <laughs> um, but I think it's a good confidence booster. Um, the boys were out there having fun. Jacob Hayhurst scored an empty netter and then uh, taunted some fans. I had a blast with that. Um. Yeah, Lockwood though. Will Lockwood looked like he it's hit a another. Big difference, gear. huh? Yeah, he he looked like he hit another gear this weekend. Just a little bit more dynamic yeah. with the puck. Still throwing his body around like he always has for four years, and you know, still has that quick burst of speed. But using his uh, his hands a little bit more, he he had a good weekend. Yeah, and I think you know he's had so many. He's battled injuries so much ever since really the the World Junior last year that uh, maybe you know a Christmas break and and getting some time to get his strength back up and get his feet under him. You know, maybe he's ready to have Michigan. It seems like always has one player when they make their second half runs. They always have one player, whether it's Sean Hunwick one year or. Kyle Connor, the, you know, a few years later, or just one guy that goes completely off uh, for a great stretch run, and maybe that's what Will Lockwood's about to go on because he's, he, if anybody on Michigan can do it, it would be him. Uh, and if he can stay healthy, let's see what he can put up uh, for the rest of the stretch here. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm really going to be intrigued watching him. Um, I really think that him and Beatrice should not be separated at all, ever. Uh, because I just love the dynamic they have together. Um, yeah, so it, Will Lockwood just looks determined. Like, 
I am going to finish my Michigan career on a high note. And, you know, for this team, ending on a high note might be grabbing that five seed and winning a playoff series. It might be, you know, I don't know what their goals are. It feels a little bit like unless you're going on a crazy run, you're not going to win the league tournament and you're not going to go into the NCAA tournament. But he uh, he looked like he, he could be starting a bit of a tear for himself right now. We'll see how that uh, transitions. They are at Penn State this weekend. Obviously, like we mentioned, Penn State is leading the league right now at 24 points. Um, they're, they're a tough team to play against, especially on the road. Literally, my biggest key for Michigan is just don't take penalties. Um, well, silly penalties. They're a quick team. They move their feet. They're going to force some penalties out of you. Just not any in the offensive zone. No stupid boarding penalties. And I think you have a path to three points this weekend. And that, that's the that's goal for me. Like, uh, I, I think yeah. three points would be Google great. Google is a tough place to play. So yeah. if you can get out of three with this team, I think that's a good weekend. And I think kind of what happens around you with, uh, you know, if we take care of Brazil, Wisconsin, things like that, I think we can feel pretty safe that you're not going to be in the basement of the league for sure. Um, if you can get three points from Penn State. Yeah, and I just want to clarify, this is the league-leading team. Michigan, if you're looking at the whole year, is not in a position to go into this type of series with an expectation of taking points. So any points are good. They're fine. But I think three would be ideal. Same like I just said going into last weekend, anything more than three and you feel awesome. I think anything more than three points, if you end up with four or five or six, you're coming back thinking, okay, we're going to pass Minnesota, but maybe we should keep an eye on Notre Dame and we, maybe we can get a home playoff series. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think so. So it's an it's a interesting weekend, important weekend for Michigan. Uh, you know, if they can roll off that sweep last weekend, they can make it for a, a nice uh, jump in for fans. Yep, I think so. There's no reason to jump in. All right. So I do just want to give everybody a reminder. Um, If you want to support the show, give a rating on iTunes. Leave a short little review. The rating is the most important, though. If you think we're a five-star show, a a rating like that would just mean the world. It helps us appear more on searches um, and just really helps grow the show. Uh, even better, just tell your friends, anybody talking about getting into podcasts or that they you know, would like something like this, that could be huge for us. So those are the ways to support the show. And if you're not subscribed, you can do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're on, uh, on all the platforms. So, you know, if you're feeling nice, you know, subscribe on all of them. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud just to, to to goose the numbers a little bit. That's what we're all about here. Oh, yeah. Got it. <laughs> that feels like the Patino thing to do. So, um, yeah. Now, now that we got through all that BS or whatever, I have prepared a reading. Um, if anybody has any guesses, speak now as I find it. Oh, God. 
unless he unless unless it was taken down it, there's no way um hold on oh i found it this reading is from three days ago was when it was written by an employee of the athletic who covers ohio state football ari wasserman the more I watch this game, the more it's clear that Ohio State was probably the best team in college football this year. As he watched this, uh, if, if you're missing context, this was tweeted if you watched Clemson play LSU in the national championship game. Um, which LSU ended up winning 42-25 to 25 over the team that beat Ohio State in the semifinal. <laughs> oh, oh, God. You know what? I'm not in the business of plugging non-Our Friends podcasts. Like, I will plug any of our friends from Twitter, your podcast. I will come on here and plug it all. But, folks, you got to go listen to The Athletic. I think it's, like, a stupid-ass name. Like, four oh, it is a stupid like that. Yeah, it is a stupid-ass name. Let me find it. <laughs> It's, I think it's like four to six from A to B or something like that. Something weird. Uh, from the athletic, uh, where Ari Wasserman and his co-host spend about 25 minutes trying to justify this tweet. And really, it's 22 minutes of Ari Wasserman saying that, you know, Brendan, if you just had the nuance of what he was trying to say, you wouldn't yeah. jump down his throat and call him a homer. And I was like, come on. Even a clown the entire season for Ohio State, don't don't even try and own up to this one. You sent a bad tweet. You, you yeah. did it. Four to six with A and B is the name of the podcast. Um, yeah, this is just crazy <laughs> because The Athletic is such a good, such a good thing. And they hire so many brilliant well, people. And then they hire this well, you know, dog boy just trying to get Urban Meyer to like him. <laughs> well, that's the thing is we, we come from where I guess I, I guess to be fair, I don't read any of my non-team specific. Like I love the national coverage and stuff and everything, but to be fair, I guess I only really read our two teams on the athletic for, for college sports uh, pretty consistently to know if there's homers everywhere else. But I mean, we're spoiled. We have Brendan covering our basketball teams. Uh, and then, I mean, Colton does an amazing job covering MSU football. And then Austin does a great job covering U of M football. And none of them are graduates or fans of the teams that they're covering. No. It's a wonderful world. Yeah. Uh, that's what we're paying a subscription for. Not paying a subscription so that Ari, who grew up in Dublin, Ohio, and is a, you know, slept in his Ohio State sheets and his PJs, uh, where he's not at his mom's retirement home in Phoenix, is uh, <laughs> is here to tell me, you know, how much dem bucks are great. Like, don't pay money for that. You can just read 11 Warriors for free. Hey, man, we shouldn't even be worried about off-season content because we can spend hours over the summer making fun of Ari Wasserman's May article of breaking down the referee performance in the 2019 Fiesta Bowl. 